Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. My guest joining us from Arizona is a returning guest to talk about new stuff at Gather, my friend Claire Dalton. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thanks, Richard. So glad to be here. Um, Just by way of background, Claire is a gay Latter-day Saint. Um, She shared her story about a year ago on episode 583. That episode has had, according to SoundCloud, over 36,000 listens. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So your story is impacting a lot of people for good. Um, Claire also is on the advisory board of Gather. Um, They held their first event in September of 2023. And um, Claire has been with Gather since the first meeting and is part of the ongoing program to put that together and together and then presented at Gather. And her presentation was terrific. I heard it and I still think about um, one segment of your presentation in particular. And in the show notes, listeners, We'll link to gather um, all the presentations, including Claire, you can you can listen to. We'll also link to her podcast is if you want to hear her whole story, that's on 583. But the purpose of this episode is there's new stuff happening, happening at gather. And that doesn't surprise me knowing people like you and Allison and many other really thoughtful, capable talented individuals aren't just resting your laurels. This is an annual event. It seems like there's always new work at Lift and Love. Gather came out of Lift and Love, and I don't know what Claire is going to share. So I'm going to hear it for the first time, just like you, our listeners. So with that introduction, we'll turn it over to Claire Dalton. Thanks so much, Richard. Um, I'm so thankful that you are willing to let me come on. and, And I we had talked a little bit and I thought about sending you like, okay, here's all of it. And then I thought it might be fun to just do it live and to not have a script. And that's always a little bit scary, but thanks for trusting me for <laughs> that. We can have this conversation without it um, going sideways. So yeah, I'm really excited um, to be able to announce this. There's some things that I've been working on uh, since gather in September and it's finally time to, you know, let them go into the world and find out all the things that aren't working and fix those. And then, Hope that everyone has a good experience. So um, let's see, origin stories. Let's go to, so at Gather, we had so many amazing people um, give us feedback like, this is so great. Is it going to come back next year, right? That was a big worry. Like, are we going to do this every year? And we got to say, yes, we're going to do everything we can to make it happen next year and figuring out scheduling and all the logistics. Um, and people also said things like, we love what it feels like here. I want to go home and do something similar, or can we have the people who spoke at gather? Can we fly them out and they can come speak here in our, in our hometown or in our stake or in our wards. And, and obviously, yeah, we want there to be that opportunity, but also if you fly somebody in to speak and does an amazing job, then there's kind of the feeling of what happens after, right? How do you keep that energy going? And so uh, Ben Shalati kind of brought to our group, Ben Shalati, who wrote the book, A Walk in My Shoes, and also hosts, co-hosts the Questions from the Closet podcast, um, really felt strongly that, is there something that we can do to help people have the feeling of gather and feel empowered to do that in their own spaces? Um, so Ben took that to uh, me and to also Allison Dayton of Lift and Love. And we brought in Austin Peterson, who also spoke at Gather. And 
we started talking about, okay, what do we do? How do we do this? Um, and we had this idea of what if we wrote a curriculum that gives people a structure or a framework to make sort of gatherings. That's the name we came up with, right? Gather and then gatherings um, on their own. So whether that be just in their home with their family, if they have an LGBTQ kid and has had um, some not positive experiences studying scripture, that might be hard for them to want to do that. Can we write a curriculum that would help them feel comfortable in scripture exactly as they are? Or what if we have some friends who are in different cities and feel isolated but met some cool friends at Gather, could they meet over Zoom or FaceTime? And could they have meetings where they're studying the same thing and able to have conversations? Um, some places have support groups or ally nights. Um, here in Mesa, Arizona, I co-host an ally night at my house once a month, and we cram anywhere from 30 to 60 people into my home. And we have guests and we have conversations. And um, is there a way that we could have other people feel like they could do that in their own space, whether that's one person, two people, 50, whatever that looks like. So so Ben came to me with that and this idea, and we had talked it out. And um and Ben goes, so you're a seminary teacher and you've written curriculum. What do you think about this? And uh, and I'm not teaching seminary anymore. That's been a shift in my life. I kind of closed that chapter as wonderful as it was and just felt needed in different spaces and um, really felt like, oh, my gosh, this. Yeah, I'm not scared of that. I could do that. I could write this curriculum and I could use the the professional training that I've had to study scripture and to kind of pull questions out of there. So. Ben kind of threw it out as an idea. And I said, let me take a look. I'll sit down with it and sat down and the ideas just started flowing and it just felt so good. And, um, he checked back in a couple weeks later and he's like, Hey, have you thought about that? And I sent him a document that I had started. <laughs> like, Here's the ideas that I have. Um, and so we brought in Allison and Austin and we have written, uh, that curriculum that it follows right along with the 2024 schedule for studying the book of Mormon and come follow me. Wow. So what it's going to look like is um, we've created, they're about one page long. I didn't want to give too much content, but it has kind of three sections is what we've written. And so the first section is scripture based scripture stories. So if I'm remembering the chapters correctly for January, I think we're studying first Nephi one through 15. So those are broken down in the four weeks of January in that uh, document that we're going to put out for gatherings. And then there's a little summary for some people who are just jumping into scripture and kind of want all of those chapters condensed. I wrote a couple sentences to give people a starting point. And then there are just some questions to ponder that I tried to write um, with the idea of everybody's included and I want everyone to see themselves in scripture. So what are some questions that we could ask to get people who maybe have never seen themselves in scripture before, or don't feel like they fit in scripture that they could have an experience to go, okay, I relate to this story in a way that I never have. And then we have, um, the next kind of section is LGBTQ content. So it's either, um, an author, a podcast, a video from Gather, um, an ally speaking out, but something that is someone telling their story that we felt like connected to those scriptures, that there are some parallels or some interesting tie-ins that maybe people could see. So that content is available. Um, for January, to get people excited, we have the first chapter of Charlie Bird's first book, 
uh, without the mask. And so we're going to have that PDF attached so that they can read that first chapter and kind of compare that to the story that Nephi and his family are going through. And then the third section that we have is allowing people to share their own story. So it is um, a theme or a topic and then some questions that would allow someone to be able to share their own life experience. Um, And if you're like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like too much. It's not meant to be something you work through in order. It's not meant to be all or nothing. It's not supposed to be like a Sunday school lesson. It's supposed to be um, just a framework for people to see options and then maybe pick one or two things that they like. Or if they know their group is really going to focus in on this, then just pick one question and spend some time talking about that. There aren't any requirements for what it has to look like. We just wanted someone who goes, I want to connect with friends. I want to connect with scripture. I don't know where to start to have something that they could use. Um, And so we have done that with the the studying from Come Follow Me for 2024, and we're ready to release it so that anybody who wants to can go to the Gather website and download it and have that content uh, ready. So that's kind of our idea for gatherings. Wow. I am impressed that in that short a time, and you know what it's like to create curriculum, um, this is spirit-led, God-led, and so needed. And, you know, it just the, what you've done in such a short period of time is remarkable. And to have this ready to go for January, that's the perfect time to have it ready to go. But to get it to where it is right now is awesome. Um, when I think of Come Follow Me, I think of, um, study in the home or individuals. Um, and so I can really connect the dots with the content you've created and the come follow me, but talk about like these one-time events that sometimes happen like an ally night. I guess an ally night is a monthly gathering potentially. Um, some of these one-time stake events are like, we'll have a, an LGBTQ fireside, And I think I'm talking out loud listeners. I think part of your point of that is there's no, that speaker leaves (laughs) and no one quite knows what to do with it. And I think this is what, I guess why I'm answering partly my own question is this is what you do with it. You know, you can have this companion with come follow me and study the book of Mormon in your home as part of a monthly ally night. Um, just anything that's going on an ongoing basis where this subject can be part of the content. It, talk more about that, clarify that, or just give us more context. Yeah. Um, and I think you hit you hit it right on the head is that we have these experiences that lift us or refresh us and we want more. And we sometimes think we have to recreate the setting or the event. And so one of the the points that we really wanted to make with this curriculum was to give to empower everybody to go, that can be your own home. That can be your own scripture study. It can be a conversation you have with one person over food. It can be something you're talking about while you're walking. It could be a fireside setting. It could be a come to my home once a week. We'll have food and we'll talk. It could be a conversation where food is never involved. Like there's such variety. And I think that sometimes we get a little bit stuck in our own head because um, we have a church that is, is, 
has put a lot of time and effort into programs and has seen a lot of outcomes from those programs. And so we like them when we um, have, for example, like a youth group fireside or a youth conference weekend and the youth go and do something. And then they come back on that Sunday and are often asked to bear testimony in their sacrament meeting. We as leaders and as parents love to hear that and go, yes, it worked. Let's do it again. And, and I think that those have a lot of power, but we're also thinking about what about the youth who have never had a good experience with a youth conference, or what if they go to youth conference and are really excited and something that someone says, whether it be a leader, another youth, or just someone uses scripture and it gets weaponized against them because of their orientation, because of their family situation, because of the color of their skin. I mean, anything that could marginalize someone. And then they connect that feeling they had of not fitting in with scripture and connecting to God. And suddenly that connection breaks. And so we want to bridge that gap so that someone can read scripture and, and have an experience to go, yeah, I fit in first Nephi. I fit in Alma. I fit in the old Testament and the new Testament that that was written for me. And I have the ability to study that in any situation that feels comfortable for me. And so maybe it's never going to be going to a youth conference and bearing my testimony in sacrament meeting. But what if in my home with a friend or two, I can have that experience and no one else has to know about it, right? I can just have that experience with God and those people or one-on-one or just me and God. Maybe this just looks like me and this is my personal scripture study and I don't share it. Um, We wanted people to kind of take back the power of the spiritual experience that they can have it on their own terms and that the Book of Mormon was written for them and next year you know, next year, 2025, we're going to do the Doctrine and Covenants and the Bible and just hope that people can expand their view of scripture and see everybody, right? God wrote that and had that written for everybody. All are alike unto God. And we want everyone to feel that invitation of come follow me. And so if someone doesn't fit in any of the programs that we've created, let's find a way for them to have that in their home and in their own way and whatever that looks like, whether it's in a church building or it's outside or it's at home, like just kind of break those walls so that people can have positive experiences with God to see that he loves them and that there aren't requirements um, for that other than a desire to want to have a relationship with God. Um, Spirit's kind of hitting me listeners as I'm hearing about this for the first time, even though it's kind of a podcast format of just, the need for this and the people like you, Claire, you've taken the lead on this and just how God sort of prepared you to be in the spot to, to be able to do this. I can't think of anybody else. You won't like this more qualified to do this. And the fact you felt that um, your time as a full-time seminary teacher was coming to a close and you acted on that spiritual impression, not knowing exactly what door would open to you, but this probably wouldn't be possible from a Reese time standpoint if you were full-time employed. And so, um, but then you've had all this experience teaching, creating content, knowing the importance of content. You know the doctrine of our church and the doctrine of the scripture so well. Um, and I realize this is a team effort. You've mentioned Austin and Allison and Ben and maybe others. So I want to give you all a shout out for what you've done. You said something really powerful. I in maybe a segment before this one, I want everyone to see themselves in the scriptures and um, and the importance of representation. And so if you're an LGBTQ youth, there's not 
LGBTQ stories there, um, but there's principles there that apply. And I think my guess is if I'm an LGBTQ youth and I'm connecting with the content you've developed, that you will help me feel seen and understood. And the net impact in my life is going to feel more hope and more peace and more connection to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that I do matter. I am seen. I am valued. I'm created as intended. So I'm thinking of, I thought of closeted youth that might be listening to this podcast or questions in the closet aren't out to anybody and may not feel like it's the right time for them to come out. But this content might really help you um, just to feel better about yourself as you're working um, to accept your orientation and figure out the best way to come out and navigate your future. Um, my guess is the Spirit will talk to you as you read the Book of Mormon and follow this curriculum. And for me, the Spirit works two ways. One time, sometimes I read something and the words that I read are what open personal revelation, but sometimes it's just being connected to the content that God can just talk to me. So um, I thought of missionaries out there, you know, you probably get, you probably are on the email distribution of some LGBTQ missionaries. You're nodding your head because you'd be a safe place. You would help them navigate, but same here. I'm, you know, just a few, but they're out. They're publicly open. Their social media profiles say gay Latter-day Saint, full-time missionary, and they're really brave, but it's not easy for them. And I thought this content might be helpful for missionaries, closeted, not closeted, allies, missionaries that just want to, um, that may be teaching LGBTQ or other groups that are part of marginalized groups and and can use the Book of Mormon more effectively to connect them with the restored gospel of Jesus Christ because they'll have more tools because of the content you're developing to help other marginalized groups see themselves in the Book of Mormon the way that's never happened for them in their life. And it, so it may be a tool for missionaries um, to, it, they're not creating new scriptures, listeners, it's just taking existing scriptures um, to help people see themselves and see hope and peace. And so I get really excited. I know, you know, when you talk about, I want everyone to see themselves in scriptures, one of the most important scriptures to me as an ally is Nephi 4.6. I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. And that to me, listeners, is just was has been so helpful for me as an ally. I don't want to compare myself to Nephi, but the principle that as I stepped in this space in 2015, 2016, I didn't know how to do this space, um, but I just felt impressed to follow Nephi's example. And um, we'll and try to continue to do that. Um, so those are some thoughts about this. Um, to, you know, and so I'll send it back to you because you probably have some more thoughts, Claire. No, I just, um, I laugh because I, I, that verse after writing that January curriculum, that has always been one of my favorite verses and one that I've highlighted and, and it's, it's a short one, so it's easy to memorize. Right. But just thinking about, um, all of scripture, I, you said something, right. I don't want to compare myself to Nephi and I understand the sentiment behind that. And yet a part of me is also like, no, we do. We do want you to do that. I want everyone to compare themselves to mm. everybody in scripture, including the savior. And I know that some people could be uncomfortable with that, but when you step into those shoes with the right attitude and go, okay, I'm going to try and think like any of these people did, there's a certain like empathy that grows within you 
where we put ourselves into the story and we don't look at it like it's something that was written thousands of years ago and has an ending. We step into it mid-story and we start to feel like what those characters might have felt like. Um, and I have spent a lot of time thinking about that story of Nephi, right? That that verse comes right before he's walking into Jerusalem to uh, to get the plates and he's going to have to kill Laban. And, and I think there's so many layers to this, but just thinking about kind of the perspective that we're thinking, um, we, we want answers. A lot of people in this space, LGBTQ individuals and allies want answers. We want answers from ourselves, from church leaders, from God. And, and a lot of walking the path with God looks like first Nephi four, six. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I think that sometimes we read scripture and we see these people do amazing things. And we think that they knew what was happening real time. And I don't think they had any idea. I think the the snapshots that we get are when they've written it down after the fact, and they're a little bit more comfortable and they're able to write it. But I just see Nephi as a kid in this story, his brothers have beat him, are upset with him. He's failed twice. We all know how we all deal with failure, right? And he's walking back in there going, I have absolutely no idea how this is going to work. I've got nothing. I've done everything I know how to do. And I think that's a feeling that we resonate with, right? Whatever the problem or whatever the path looks like in our lives, we're going, I've got nothing. I did everything that I thought I could do and it failed. And God is still asking me to keep walking and we keep walking and we keep walking and one thing leads to another. And, and we think that it's like so fun to be a part of a miracle. And yet sometimes I think it's probably the hardest we'll ever do because God is just saying, keep going. And we're going, this is scary. My anxiety is on high. I'm fearful. I don't know what to do. And it's just keep walking. And Nephi isn't asked to do an easy thing. Uh, to, to take a life, to kill Laban, we see Nephi's internal struggle. And, and we see just a snapshot of that. And Nephi wrote these scriptures after the fact. And I'm just so grateful for Nephi. If I had been writing this, you know, 5, 10, 20 years later, I would have edited out that chapter. Like I would not have put that in there. I would have just said something like, and we went back, it was really hard. We got the plates and we move on. <laughs> and Nephi lets us into his inner turmoil. He lets us into his doubting and we see that that is the, the ground where his faith explodes, where he realizes I can really trust God in any situation and it doesn't have to make sense in the moment and it's going to be hard, but I can do hard with God. Um, and so I'm just so grateful that he had the humility and the vulnerability and the confidence to write that down and to write it down again and to not edit it out. Um, but just share with us in the moment of this is what it feels like to be led by God. And I think in this space, Richard, and you said it before, but just going to church every week sometimes can feel like that. Why am I walking in here? I'm going to be asked to do something incredible to just sit here and to not make comments, to not make waves or to make comments and to make waves or to just try to fit in this place where it doesn't feel like it works or I'm going to serve a mission. And that just seems like an insurmountable task. And why would I be asked to do that when so many people are going, don't do that. You don't have to do that or whatever the fill in the blank is. Right. And so reading this, reading the book of Mormon, um, specifically through the lens and the perspective of I'm LGBTQ. What does this have to do with my life? Or I'm an ally. Where do I see myself? Scripture is preserved so that we can all see ourselves in it. 
it's not preserved as a history. It's never claimed to be that. And people who think that scripture is going to tell the full history of anything are going to hit a lot of walls. And it's going to be really frustrating because there's huge gaps. But history is, or sorry, scripture is these stories of people walking with God and how it turns out step by step. And what does it look like? And what happens when I turn to him? And what happens when I don't? Do I like those consequences? And, and everybody can step into those shoes. They're not exclusionary. Every single person who is living on this earth has the capacity to have God walk with them in their life. And God's not going to be scared. He's not going to be confused. He's not going to go, oh gosh, I've never seen this before. I don't know what to do. God is going, yeah, I got you. Walk with me. I know it's hard. I know I'm going to ask you to do hard things, but there are things for you to learn and ways to grow. And and I'm going to make sure that this is worth your while. Every experience can be a lesson and to learn and grow. And so as we go through the Book of Mormon, yeah, I think being led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand what we should do is something that will resonate with everybody in this space. And especially some people who who don't have the opportunity to come out or may never come out or just don't have the language, but understanding that this is something that I can do. And it doesn't just apply to somebody who fits a mold. It doesn't just apply to somebody who looks like they have it all together. It applies to me, I think is so powerful in um, allowing our lives to be hand in hand with God. How many years did you teach seminary? Eight. Do you know any idea how many students you taught? Um, I did do some rough math and I, I, I would guess it was around 1200 or more. Um, I wrote a big note in capital letters. Thank you for what you've done as a seminary teacher and those 1200 plus students. And when I hear you teach, like you just teach, I think of, you know, I just better understand what a great seminary teacher you are. I'm not going to put it in the past tense because you continue to teach. And um, on behalf of all those students and all those parents, and thank you for what you've done and the courage now you may be able to reach more people in this less known world that you've stepped into um, that now we're seeing some of the fruits of that with your talk at gather, your role and gather and many other areas, including this curriculum that now exists. So I'm just deeply moved by your personal story. You remind me a little bit of one of my favorite Institute teachers, S. Michael Wilcox, who just um, makes the scriptures come live for me. You know, he's just, you know, it, it's just a, a gift you have of, of taking those verses and just making them relate to people. So I think that's part of your curriculum. I wrote down some other things, listeners. I wrote down the word scale. It's kind of a business term that since I'm a business guy, I think of, you know, the need to scale what happened at Gather, what happened at these firesides. And um, that's sort of a term I use to describe to myself what Claire and others are doing is taking content and scaling it so it's available in our homes. I really think um, what I talk about is the circle of influence is figure out what your circle of influence is if you're an ally or a parent or a local leader that wants to do better and be at peace that you don't need to go beyond your circle of influence. You don't need to write a book or start a podcast or do something grand like start a new gather, but you can just be at peace that what I need to do is do what I can in my circle of influence. And 
sometimes you can't put a fireside together and you get frustrated because your stake leadership doesn't quite want to do that. Or, But this is something that um, really fits with that sort of invitation of circle of influence because now you've got content for your circle of influence. Um, we have a Facebook group, which I'll link to in the show notes. It's it's called Ministering to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And it's kind of a a place where people can share what they're doing in local areas, brainstorm, what are you doing for a fifth Sunday? And, and so a lot of that group is just sharing of ideas across the world. Um, there's allies in LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, but there's such a need just watching the posts in that group for the content that Claire and others have just developed. Um, that it will help. There's so many that would just want to be able to develop stuff like this. So um, back to the circle of influence, I think it's just, you know, when you become familiar with this content, think what you can do. You know, if you're a, if you're a teacher teaching, teaching class, you obviously can't just make this the content of every class, but you might read this as a gospel doctrine teacher or Sunday school teacher, and it just get, gives you um, more insights in how to develop vocabulary to talk to marginalized groups of people using scripture. Often for my younger self, when this space was new to me, I needed voices that talked um, through scripture or through church quotes about, uh, you know, LGBTQ topics or ministering to those sort of on the margins and not think I had a rogue teacher on my hand. But if you use the scriptures to talk about this subject, that feels safe for everybody, I think, that you're teaching. And so there'll probably be, I'm sure there's content here if you just want to bring in a couple bullet points every now and then. Um, and you can bring up LGBTQ. Our leaders use that vocabulary. Um, Elder, you know, we've talked about transgender people over the pulpit at General Conference. So, you know, I think it's safe to talk about those kind of subjects, um, especially you know, in your circle of influence, if you're a teacher or a local leader, I think of parents, listeners, and I think th those of you that are kind of cognitively aware that church can be hard for your queer kiddo, and they may or may not be going, um, and credit to you if they're out, and they're still kind of at a high school age and younger, that you've created enough, a safe enough culture in your family they came out. But you're kind of aware this may be really helpful if you've got a kid not attending church and still connecting them with gospel principles in a way that's not triggering for them. You're not wondering, you know, what they're going to hear sort of outside of your control at church that then you may be spending the next week sort of dealing with the pain of that comment, sort of drip, drip, drip trauma. Um, as one person explained it to me, you may be a parent and, um, just want to create a family culture, you may not, your kids may not be old enough to come out. <laughs> they may be, you know, five and younger, or, or you may just not have any kids that are out. And you may want to create a family culture that the kids, if you do have any queer kiddos, they'll come out to you. And, and you realize that having a queer kid is not a bad outcome. It's a, it's just the same as having a straight kid, but you want to create a family culture where that kid will open up to you early. And so you can walk with them earlier. And, and I think that helps um, create just, it, you, if you, as a, you know, I'm hearing some parents whose kids are coming out in their early teens and it makes, you know, and then a parent can walk with them. So I'm thinking of all the different applications of this, but you need to not listen to me. I'm just general ideas. I think you need to follow the impressions on 
what you should do with this curriculum in your circle of influence. Um, Because I think it's really helpful. Also, and I want to get, I'm just looking at my notes here. The last note I wrote is I've been thinking a lot about Jacob Five, the vineyard, (laughs) and how it relates to LGBTQ. and, um, And I bet you've got some thoughts on that, Claire. But one of the thoughts I had is sort of like, I feel like this vine. I feel like because I've been to Jerusalem, I'm thinking of a vineyard, but it's kind of like this vineyard is so big that no one realizes they're over the horizon. There's actually a seg- section of the vineyard we never talk about, and it's where LGBTQ people live, and we don't even want to go there. We don't acknowledge that part of the vineyard exists. We don't have vocabulary to even. And so I'm thinking you're going to take us to that part of the vineyard, and when I go to that. As an ally, I've gone over to that part of the vineyard, listeners, and it's a beautiful part of the vineyard. There's healthy trees um, growing wonderful olives, to use the olive garden analogy, that are part of Israel. This isn't like leaving Israel to go um, to this part of the vineyard. This is Israel. Um, And I'm not a scholar on Jacob 5, but there's probably some wonderful um, parallels to um, LGBTQ Latter-day Saints in the vineyard and our need to gather them and see them and help them feel included. Um, so I've thought a lot about that, but in, you know, in a lot of wards and stakes, including mine, we never really talk about that part of the vineyard. We're not comfortable talking about it. We, it, we just don't have vocabulary, the experience. And so this is where this content, I think, can help a teacher uh, or a local leader talk about this part of the vineyard in a way that feels helpful. So anyway, I'm kind of going off on tangents. Claire, I'm sending it back to you. No, you did great. Um I I love that chapter. I love Jacob 5 and and I love the idea of the vineyard and um it's kind of like I know it's a different analogy so I'm mixing metaphors here but yeah. hiking. Um I did I did a lot of hiking. Um I I've wanted to do continue to do hiking, but I hurt my back a couple months ago, so I haven't. But when I was in high school, um, I did a a week long backpacking trip, and and it was intense. I mean, we were going eight to twelve miles a day with a fully loaded pack, um, and uh, we got some advice. And it's just a line that stuck with me since then. Someone said, "You can have a leather and Gore Tex hike." or you can put your head up. And I was like, leather and Gore-Tex. And that's like, at the time, that was a common elements of the hiking boot, right? So what this person was trying to say is when you're hiking, you can put your head down and just do step by step by step by step, and you'll get there. Or you can also remember to pick your head up and look around and see where you're at. And, and I think that, that that feels the same way. You're in the vineyard and you're in your little part of the vineyard and you've got your head down and you've got dirt under your nails and you're working with the tree that you're working with. And sometimes that can be mm. really frustrating when you're looking for outcomes and you're not seeing them in your immediate vicinity. And you're doing all you can to save this tree and to get the fruit and the fruit doesn't taste good. And, and it gets really frustrating. And sometimes the answer is to take a breath stand up, stretch your back, look around and maybe go visit some other parts of the vineyard and see what's working and see how beautiful the fruit is over there and how good it tastes and bring that back. The vineyard was never supposed to be, the Lord's vineyard's never supposed to be these isolated chunks that never interact. It's supposed to be people growing in different ways and then, you know, allowing those things that we've learned to kind of, um, spread throughout the vineyard. And so I love the analogy you just wrote that, yeah, we have huge parts of the vineyard that we're not 
paying any attention to, but God is, God hasn't forgotten those parts of the vineyard. And, and I don't know a lot about plants, but I do know that sometimes, um, bringing in outside plants that have grown up in different environments or have different strengths and putting those into your garden or into your, whatever you're working on can add to a garden. So I think that God has been developing this LGBTQ part of the vineyard for a long time. And, and there's a lot of fruit to be had there and it's good fruit. And God is trying to help everybody realize that, that we can kind of bust out of our, our own tunnel vision and see this fruit and incorporate it. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to be worried. When you were talking, Richard, I'd never thought about this. And now I kind of want to go do some more study, but, um, it used to intrigue me a lot as a kid about the lost tribes of Israel, right? Like, they? disappeared. God is going to magically bring them back. And I don't know that I think that anymore. I think that, um, that the lost tribes of Israel have, you know, kind of assimilated into other cultures. And I think that there's great pockets of goodness there, but I just had the thought of what if lost tribes, what if we're talking about LGBTQ and how that we have lost that goodness in the vineyard and how God is trying to bring that back in that through a lot of different reasons and you know we don't have to go through all of it but it is interesting if you want to track the history of how lgbtq individuals have been marginalized um, and some very key points in history where that happened what if god is saying let's bring that back in and there's parts in jacob 5 where god goes here's some of the best fruit that came from the most unexpected parts of the vineyard And I put them in the places where I wanted them and you don't have to know where they are or why they're there, but when it's time, I'm going to bring them back. And and that hit me of like, Ooh, that feels good. That I think that there's some truth in there that God is trying to make sure everybody is involved in his vineyard and that there isn't anything to be scared of here. And I think when you, um, come into this space. And and I love that you said, we're not trying to rewrite scripture. That's not what we're doing. Um, and I'm not trying to replace come follow me either. This isn't meant to be that, but it is for someone who's looking for something to add in. There's a handful of questions on this in this curriculum that can help with that, that can help people see and read scripture with more, maybe more of a wider lens than they have before. So that they can be sensitive to someone in their family who hasn't come out yet or someone in their Sunday school class who never comments, or maybe the people who are never actually in their Sunday school class, that if they knew we were, you know, just bringing in in natural ways, these topics and these people that they would come. That's what we want, right? We want people to come into the doors of the church to stay for second hour and to walk out going, I felt, I feel refreshed. I feel lifted. I feel closer to God and I feel a uh, power in my covenants. And I think that that's all this is doing is we're just trying to help people realize that if we change a couple questions, if we open up a couple doors that we haven't before and realize there's nothing scary behind it, we can have a better experience in our families, in our wards, in our communities, and just as children of God together. Okay, the scattering of Israel um, being symbolic of LGBTQ people is powerful. I, you know, you now you've done two things in my brain that I'll never forget. I'll never forget your presentation at the end of gathering. You said at the end of the day, I'm going to stand. All the people have sort of told me how to live my life are going to be gone, and I'm going to have to stand before Jesus and account for my life. And that was really empowering. 
and doctrinally accurate. Um, but then this idea of, <clears throat> you know, because I used to think that as a little kid, the scattered, the lost tribes of Israel, one day National Geographic would do a documentary where they found a tribe in yes, a high too. mountain valley in Chile, and there they are, and it's the yeah, tribe. Yeah, we found them. And, and that's going to be on the local news, and that's what I always thought would happen. But now I think of it differently, and um, and so the symbolic or reality of you know, LGBTQ people as a, as a whole, not just Latter-day Saints, but as a part of the human family and the scattering that's occurred because of the things we've said about these people. And um, we could go into that for a long time, but that causes scattering. Scattering, I think, represents broken hearts, wanting to withdraw, pain, suffering, um, feeling like you can't contribute to society, feeling like I don't want to put thoughts in people's brains. Um, that don't really have them, but I've heard enough stories to know the pain of the the scattering that occurs needlessly. I don't think God scattered LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. I think he created them whole, complete, good, full of good fruit, um, ways to contribute in society in wonderful ways, equal to everybody else. Um, but they got scattered not because of God, because of society. And now as we're you know, making progress, realizing this isn't a choice, you can't unchoose it. Um, I think there's a shift um, in society and our church to see these people as our own people and not this other group of people. And what can we do then to gather? I guess gather, I've talked about gather a lot, but I've never talked about in the context of the opposite is to scatter. And to gather, you need to have something that's been scattered. <laughs> I'm thinking out loud, listeners, and so this just this really resonates with me as we are gathering something that's been scattered, um, and that is part of what Gather is doing, what this content is doing. Um, the purpose, one of the purpose of the Book of Mormon, is to help people come into Christ, and gathering is part of that. And what you said, I want everyone to see themselves in the Scripture, so they'll story. Um, their pain, their journey, and to be able to see themselves in Scripture and see themselves connecting to Jesus Christ and the hope, peace, healing. There's a lot of the atonement of Jesus Christ that heals that's not sin-related, and scattering is not sin-related. Scattering's sort of a reality of, of society's impact on LGBTQ people, but the atonement's ability to heal pain um, and to gather and to find peace. That's really powerful. And then the vineyard, um, yeah, I think, you know, when I think of this side of the vineyard, it's a good side. It just isn't seen for some reason. And there's good fruit there, and it can help the whole vineyard be a better vineyard. Um, that's certainly, I sort of went to this part of the vineyard thinking I would rescue people in this vineyard, part of the vineyard, but I've, in some ways, they've rescued me, listeners. They've taught me about the gospel of Jesus Christ and principles of empathy, compassion, understanding, inclusion, and seeing things through eyes that's helped me. That's their fruit has helped me be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we need each other. We need all parts of the vineyard. And this is a part of the vineyard that is part of creating Zion. Maybe the complete vineyard represent and the unscattering of the tribe of LGBTQ people. Um, represent Zion. You are part of Zion, Claire. You, Ben, and everybody. So 
I am not a theologian, but I love new ideas that come in my brain, like you just suggested, Claire. Um, so that's powerful. No, thank you. And I love the way that you summarized it. And I was just thinking, um, I think that sometimes the the language that we use, it sometimes feels like we're, and I think it's because we see the fight ahead of us and we're just trying to go for baby steps, right? And there's, there's this language of of inclusion of like, yes, we 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 want LGBT. LGBTQ people to come. We just want you to come and be in the space. And, and that just seems like a, um, just come and be here. And yet it's so different. And and my brain usually goes to sports analogies, but I've been on teams where coach has given me a Jersey and I've been a part of the team and I've sat the bench, (laughs) you know, like I know what that feels like. And yeah, you can win the state championship and get a ring. But if you know you're at the end of the bench and you never got on the court, it feels different, right? It feels different when, and I've had coaches who have recruited me, right? We want you on our team, but not just to wear the Jersey. We want you on the court. We're, you're a big part of the offense that we're building. We want your ideas. We want your leadership. And it feels so different, right? When you are on the court, when the time ticks down and you know you've won and there's that celebration, it feels so different when you had skin in the game. And, and I just, I think that because LGBTQ people haven't been a part of, um, the conversation for a long time that just being included feels like a big step. And so that's kind of the language that we hear used a lot. And yet I think that we can, we can push through that, that glass ceiling, that barrier and go, no, I just, I just don't want an LGBTQ person in my life. I don't just want them in my ward. Like I want them in my family. I want them to know that I don't just want you in the pew. I want you teaching Will you come into my home? And I want to hear your perspective of the gospel and, and teach my family. And I want to hear your thoughts because your thoughts are helping me connect to Christ in ways that I didn't have the opportunity to. I think I learned that a lot of my mission in Spain of just hearing different people's perspective and stories and not being scared of them and talking to people of different faiths and people who have no faith and yet still build mine. You know, that seems contradictory, but just everybody has ways to contribute. And I think that's the way that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother's family has always been. I don't think that that has ever been different. I think that we've sometimes narrowed it because of our mindsets, but I just, I really feel impressed, called, pushed, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like if we start looking LGBTQ people in the eye and saying, I need you, I need you in my religious practice. I need you at church. I need you when I'm studying the scriptures. I need you as a missionary. I need you in church leadership. If I really believe that, then that is going to feel, it's going to be so amazing to watch because LGBTQ people are stepping up, right? Feeling called to these spaces. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to, you know, I think of some of my friends who are married And in same-sex marriages and are like, I'm going to keep going to church. I'm not going to stop showing up. I'm going to be here. I'm going to talk about God. And that's changing uh, the face of the church. And I think it's helping us see the face of Christ. And so that is, is what I feel is just, it's not just a, yeah, we'll gather you, but make sure you stay in the back of the tribes of Israel. But it's a, we need you to lead. We need you to guide. We need you to teach. We need you to help us learn empathy in ways that I can't learn in my sphere of influence without you. Um, You're an integral, essential part 
of God's plan. You're not some sort of exception that we're trying to make and pushing change for doctrine. We're actually living the doctrine better than we ever have and understanding the doctrine better than we ever have by saying you belong here. Um, and I, I heard, uh, a podcast with, uh, father Gregory Boyle. I don't know if you've heard of him, but, um, amazing books he's written. He's a, he's a Jesuit priest who has founded, um, an organization helping, um, gang members in LA kind of get yes. out of that lifestyle, that mindset. Yeah. And, uh, this latest podcast that he did, um, I think I stopped it at least 20 times to just like absorb something that he said. He just has this way of, of saying things where I'm like, that was the gospel pure and undiluted right there. You said it. And, um, and the way that he is able to just see people, where he doesn't see all of these different, you know, things that people have done, but he just sees people and their potential and his ability to just go, we need everybody. Um, and I forgot what part I was going to quote specifically from that podcast now that I've, I've rambled, but, um, the way that he sees the gospel and the way that he sees all of us, um, he says, well, I remember it. He says, I don't see good and evil. Right. He says, I've seen horrible things, but I've never met an evil person. And I paused on that and I was like, oh, OK, this is hitting me deeper than I thought. I want to think about that. And and his viewpoint is we all belong to each other. So if someone is making choices that are hurting someone else, do I put a me versus them or do I think that's a member of my family and they're hurting? And he just said, you know, healthy people aren't doing these things to each other. So that person is unhealthy, but they're part of our family. So instead of the headline of, you know, whatever fill in the blank, we vilify someone and this person is doing bad things and congratulating ourselves on noticing this evil to go that person who, you know, took a gun and just killed somebody. That's my brother. And they're unhealthy. They're hurting. How do I find a way to connect with them? So that I'm not just throwing somebody in jail or ending their life with a death penalty because woo, we got rid of evil, but that is my family member who is, is hurting and I'm contributing to that hurt. So how do I help see that person through God's eyes so that I'm not just looking to um, vilify people. I'm trying to find ways to help that person heal and that really changed me and struck me. And that's new. And I'm trying to process that, but it's changing the way that I'm seeing myself and other people of just, instead of going, oh, this war or, or, you know, po politics or whatever it is that we can do us versus them to go, wow, somebody's hurting here. What can I do to help hear their pain? Because if somebody feels heard and seen, I think that's the first step in healing and this is from, you know, Father Gregory Boyle, where he says, when people feel seen, then they can start to feel cherished. And when people feel cherished, then they change. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the gospel of Christ. This is it. This is what Christ did. And and I just, oh, I love that. And so that is something that I hope we can all start to see is if somebody's saying something that I don't agree with or that doesn't make sense to just go, okay, there's something I'm missing. Or if this is damaging, then you're hurting. Can I hear your pain? Can you explain to me kind of where that's coming from? Um, I think is a beautiful way to start opening up the vineyard and to let people see that they're not just allowed, but they're essential. And if they have pain, we're not going to shy away from that pain. We're going to accept it. We're going to bring it in as if a, a family member was hurting 
you know, if I have a family member who's hurting, then I want to listen to that to make sure I understand the situation. And then let's talk about healing it, not cutting it off. And I think that that's such a beautiful way to, to see um, our family, the family of God. And I hope that that's what gatherings can start to do is to move that pain into places where it can be useful and to start to heal. And then we can see the potential of so many people who have gifts to offer and talents to use and ways to enrich us that are just waiting for an opening for us to look at somebody and go, you're in the game. Come on, we need you on the court. Um, I think is gonna just absolutely explode the the building and expanding of Zion. Wow. Um, your voice is really important, Claire. Just wrote down, you know, showing up and how brave LGBT goes showing up and how we need LGBT people to be seen. We need them in leadership. I look at I have, you know, the Martin Luther King dreams. So sometimes when I see the church leadership or chart, I see no representation of open LGBTQ, openly out LGBTQ people. And I have a dream that it, someday that will change. And so why? Because I want that younger youth to see representation of them in church leadership and in all circles so that they just feel people like them are valued and needed. Um, Father Boyle, I have read his book. It's been 10 years, um, or one of his books, I think there's a, but then you said, um, you said these words in order first to be seen, then to be cherished and then to be changed. Those are powerful words. The word cherished in the middle there is just an incredible word. And then I think of Christ and his ministry as you were talking about that. and. You know, how many examples could you just reel off right now before Christ did that for somebody that society said shouldn't be cherished, shouldn't be seen, um, and how the principles of Christ day and that narrative are doctrinally there so that we can follow Christ's example. I've always thought about Christ's mission. We know about his multi, his mission is multi-layered, obviously, and powerful, the res, you know, the the atonement, the resurrection, but then he could have just done this in a, but he did this in the, cause this complex environment where he was able to, to have these, these teachings in real examples, <laughs> kind of tripping over my words, like the woman who reached out and touched him. Um, and there's, and so I think of, you know, all of that content and, you know, the atonement, the resurrection, I guess, could exist without all of that, all that content gone, all those parables and all those stories, but they're part of his mission. And I think it's the reason I believe is so they give us principles to do the things Claire's inviting us to do in today's really divisive world and how that's the formula going forward. And the us versus them is not the formula going forward. And, um, that can create common enemy intimacy as Brene Brown talks about which can make us feel really good but it's not the it's not the example of Christ and it's and it's so important to live a higher holier law um well we need to wrap up but I'm just I could talk to you for so long uh, listeners in our show notes we're going to put the first link will be to the content that Claire is talking about I think it's under the umbrella of gatherings 
is that is it paid or free? It's free. Okay, I thought so, but so, I just in yeah. case somebody's so the website the website's gather-conference.com. And then underneath that, one of the headings is gatherings. And underneath that, we're going to have um, the PDFs for each month just available for download for people to be able to have. Well, it's just a labor of love. You know, there's no, I thought it was free, but I thought in case someone's wondering, I'd ask that question. So that'll be our first link. Um, and then I'll link some of the other things I've mentioned. And um, thank you, Claire, for the work you're doing. It's really groundbreaking. It's really needed. You're one of the pioneers of our faith for the work you're doing, the representation you're creating. I'm sharing your personal life story as a gay Latter-day Saint. You're very brave, um, but you give, you're just brave and you're making a difference for a lot of people. And um, someday God in the next life is going to take you to the top of a tall mountain and let you see the totality of what you've done already in your life and what you will do. And, and I feel that way about lots of my LGBTQ friends. Um, you're showing up, as Claire has talked about. You're being open about who you are. When I see, you know, I get Facebook friend requests occasionally from missionaries, and I look at their profile, and it says Gay Latter-day Saint right in their profile. I think you all are so brave. Or you're not out, but you're showing art from like Kirk Richards or other artists that are showing Jesus just loving everybody. And I kind of get, I, I don't know if you're straight or not. Um, but I know you're an ally and very sensitive to this issue because of the social media you're creating. And I think of your investigators and, you know, as you're connecting with your investigators, they look at your profile and they go, okay, this seems pretty safe, you know, Christ-like person for me. Um, so I'm not saying every missionary should do that, but I'm thinking that uh, you're showing up, to use your words, and you're helping us create Zion and you're brave and you're owning who you are and you've come to the conclusion it's a good thing. It may not make your life easier than a straight person, but you've concluded it's a good thing. And um, so anyway, Claire, any final comments? I'll let you have the final segment. Thank you so much, Richard. I um, I have really felt God's hand in this. And uh, as anyone who has ever taught, whether that's professionally or just, you know, as a service in the church, there are some weeks when you sit down and you try to prepare a lesson and it just flows and it feels good. And you're like, that was amazing. And then the next one you'll do, you'll feel like there's no way you can ever make it work. And you walk in and you're nervous and it's just not working. And, and I think both are really learning experiences, but, um, I have really felt just an amazing spirit in creating this and working through it and having Allison and Ben and Austin's ideas in has just been fulfilling. It has really been a fulfilling and um a refreshing and an amazing experience for me and so i'm really excited to share it whatever it turns into i'm just really excited to be able to be a part of it and to to see scripture in different ways and to share that and so thank you so much for for having this conversation i'm i want to get off so i can write some things down that i thought <laughs> heard and um yeah we just want everyone who's interested to be able to to find this so um the instagram for uh, lift and love org will have all of this content as well as the Instagram handle at gatherconf. C O N F is the gather conference, um, Instagram. And so they'll both be on there and there'll be some Instagram lives coming and just a lot of stuff that if you're interested, there's going to be multiple ways to get to this. And so thank you for, for allowing me the opportunity to share it with people and to hope that, um, as it's shared, I will get to see how people are using it and to, 
um, that'll help me build my testimony and see scripture differently. So thank you, Richard. Um, thank you, Claire. This is Claire Dalton and Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>